Will you turn with me to the Word of God then? Let's go to Mark's Gospel, chapter 15. I'll just let you find it. Mark's Gospel, chapter 15. It's encouraging after 17 weeks or whatever it is now uh, to see even so many still coming to the drive-in service this evening. The Lord bless you all. Mark's Gospel, chapter 15. And let your eye run down. We'll start reading from verse 27. And with him they crucify two thieves, the one on his right hand and the other on his left. And the scripture was fulfilled with saith, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And they that passed by reeled on him, wagging their heads and saying, Ah, thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself and come down. From the cross. Likewise, also the chief priests mocking and said among themselves with the scribes, He saved others himself, he cannot save. Let Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross, that we may see and believe. And they that were crucified with him reviled him. And when the sixth hour was come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is being interpreted, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And some of them that stood by when they heard it said, Behold, he calleth Elias. And one ran and filled a sponge full of vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him the drink, saying, let alone, let us see whether Elias will come to take him down. Jesus cried with a loud voice and give up the ghost. And the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And when the centurion which stood over against him saw that, he so cried out and he gave up the ghost, he said, Truly, this man was the son of of God. We know the Lord will bless that reading of his own divine inspired precious word in public, but let's pray and ask the Lord's blessing on the word. Father, we ask you that you would bless thy word unto our hearts and glorify thy name. We ask you, Lord, that you would direct my thoughts, my mouth, my mind, direct it to the cross, Lord, and give me the words to bring to this people. Lord, may we experience in you who are saved. May we experience in you the cross of Calvary. Will you draw us by your Spirit and open our eyes that we might behold the Lamb of God. And if there's one or some not saved here this evening, we pray, Lord, that you would speak to their hearts, that the conviction of the Holy Spirit would grip them, that he would draw them to the Son of God. We pray, Father, ere this night be over, that there would be the cry of new birth in this place this evening. And if there's one who has went cold, went into the far country, in their heart, or even into the world, we pray, Father, this evening they'd find themselves wandering back to the foot of the cross in repentance to Thee. So, Father, we pray that You'd give us repentance in this place tonight and give us the ability to cry 
unto the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, to glorify him in all that's done this evening. May he have the preeminence. We ask it all, giving you the glory, the praise, and the honor. For Jesus' name's sake we ask it. Amen. The Lord Jesus is crucified between two thieves. We're told there's one on the left hand and there's one on the right. And this was to fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah 53 when he would be numbered with the transgressors. Here scripture is being fulfilled in the person of Christ at the crucifixion of Christ, at the death and the bloodshedding of our Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah the prophet proclaimed it over 700 years previously as though he was standing at the foot of the cross. There he writes with his quill about the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. How accurate is the word of God, friend? How precise is the word of God to even say that he has these thieves beside him and he is numbered along with those who are the cursed according to Jewish law and tradition. Cursed is he who hangeth on the tree was Israel's law. Cursed is he and Christ became a curse for us. The sinless one, the holy one, the spotless one, the pure one, the undefiled one became a curse that we might be free. Here he hangs between two thieves, between one man on the left hand, one man on the right. And I, they start giving off cursings and blasphemings in the face of Jesus Christ until one beholds that he is the king of glory, that there's more to Christ than meets the eye. There's more to this man who's hanging on the cross. This man is the God-man. This man is the king of Israel. This man is the king above all kings. This man is the one true living God. The God of Abraham. The God of Isaac. He's the God of Jacob. For he is the one that said before Abraham was, I am. That's the word of Christ to them. And these, the Pharisees and the Jews happened to say, Thou art not even 50 years old. Thou sayest that thou knowest Abraham. Jesus was proclaiming his deity, that he was the eternal God manifest in the flesh. That the Lord Jesus Christ is more than a prophet. That he's more than a spiritual leader or some sort of religious guru, that the Lord Jesus Christ is more than man can see with the naked eye, that the Lord Jesus Christ, he is deity clothed with humanity. And suddenly one of the thieves would cry, Lord, rememberest thou me when thou comest into thy kingdom. He recognizes him as the king of Israel, and he recognizes him as the king of the kingdom of God over Israel. And he says, Rememberest thou me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And of course the Lord says, Verily I say unto thee today, Thou shalt be with me 
in paradise. And the other thief went away into eternity. There he was lost forever. There he was lost for all eternity. But the thief that cried on the cross, having the faith that is imputed by the Spirit at that moment in time, to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. There one thief would go into eternity with Christ, which is far better. And the other thief, he would go into eternity without Christ, without God and without hope. I pray I'm not talking to someone tonight who knows not the Lord Jesus Christ as their own Lord and personal Savior. I trust that you know him. You know him as your own. You've claimed him as your own. You see him as more than a man, more than a prophet. Islam claims he is a prophet, thinking they do him some sort of honor. The prophet of Islam called Isis is not the Lord Jesus Christ. They say he didn't die on the cross. The Bible tells me the Lord Jesus Christ gave his life a ransom for many. It tells me that Christ died in our place and in our room instead. They say then there's no resurrection from the dead. This word tells me that the Lord Jesus Christ was raised from the dead on the third day. That Christ, he is God over all. He's a God of the living and he's a God of the dead. And so he's more than a prophet. There are those from Judaism and they claim him to be nothing more than an illegitimate half-breed from a Roman mercenary soldier called Panthera. There he is born of fornication. Hence they said, we be not born of fornication. That's what they think of Christ. But I can tell you something, friend. This Bible tells me he's born of God. This Bible tells me that Mary heard the angels say, that the power of the highest would overshadow her. And that holy thing that shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. This Bible tells me the one who hung between heaven and earth on the cross, that one who hung between two thieves on the cross, he is the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Friend, you need to see Christ in more than a prophet. A prophet is no good to us. A prophet cannot save us. Only the Son of God, God himself, could come down in the person of his Son and could go to the cross to pay all of our debt of sin in its fullness. Here we're told, and they crucify him, they crucify him between two thieves, one on his right hand and the other on his left. And the scripture was fulfilled with said he was numbered with the transgressors. Here's the one who is in eternity, worshipped and adored, stepped as it were down from glory off his throne to take on the form of an infant, a little baby boy. Here he is to grow up before the Father again. 
through the prophet Isaiah. He grows up as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. And he hath no form nor comeliness that we should desire him. Here he grows up as a teenager. Then he grows up as a young man. And here he grows up into the fullness of adulthood. Yet all the time he was almightiness clothed in humanity. Here he grows up and is a root out of a dry ground. Prophesied again by Isaiah the prophet in chapter 53. Here he grows up before his father. His father watching him day one, day two, day three day four and so on and so on step one and step two step three as he started to learn to walk as you did and as I did here he sees him as a young man he sees him as a 12 year old in the temple with the scribes and the Pharisees and they're dumbfounded at the wisdom of this young one he sees him grow up as a teenager the father watching him sees him grow up as a young man baptized in the river Jordan of John the Baptist. And there the father declares, this is my beloved son. This is my agapetus huias is the words that are used in the original text. This is the one who calls the love out of my heart, it means. The father acknowledged the son. The father said he is the one who calls the love out of my heart. It's wonderful to know that the one who called the love out of the Father's heart from eternity past to eternity future, who came into our present, here he is the one who's hanging a curse for us. Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Here he watches him as a root out of a dry ground. Here in Judea, the religion had went mongrelized with the Babylonian Talmudism. And there they were turning away from God and everything in the temple was wrong. When Christ went in to whip them out and says, My house shall be a house of prayer. You have made it a den of thieves. There he was telling them, You are a brood of vipers, he says unto them. What a preacher he was, unashamed and unafraid. And he whips them out of the temple. Friend, I can tell you, the father watched him every moment of every hour of every day. There the father watched him as a root out of a dry ground. The only living tree, the only living plant that would acknowledge and bring the glory of the father to Judea. And the father watches him grow up before him. This is my beloved son. This is my beloved son. This is my beloved son. Every day I love him. He calls the love out of the father's heart. The father would say every day as it were. He calls the love out of my heart. He is the one who is the darling of my bosom. He is the one who calls the love from my heart. He's precious to me. And yet, yet friends, we have no desire of him. They took him and they whipped him. They took him and they beat him. They took him and they interrogated him. And all the while the father saying, This is my beloved son whom you're whipping. 
This is my beloved son whom you're beating. This is my beloved son whom you're reviling. This is my beloved son whom you're scorning. He is the one that calls the love out of my heart. He is my agapetus, huias, my fully matured beloved son who calls the love from me. And he watches them buffet him and beat him and mock him to scorn. They watch him whip at the whipping post in Jerusalem. There with the Roman flagellum. There with that Roman whip with the bits of lead and iron and bone in. Here he watches the Roman soldier as he takes a stride back to make sure he gets a good strengthy whip to get the action proper. And he lashes it into the back of the Son of God. We're told that that bone and lead and iron and metal would grip hold like hooks into the back of the one who was being whipped. And as it's withdrawn again, there it would tear the skin and the flesh from the very back of the one that was being whipped. And the father watched as the Roman centurions would count one and pull the flesh of Christ, two and pull the flesh of Christ, three and pull the flesh of Christ, and four and five and six and seven and eight and nine and ten, believing he would have got at least 39 lashes. Battered and bruised. Bleeding and torn. Here the Son of God, the blood from his back, would start to pour at that whipping post in Jerusalem. It's said sometimes the whipping was that bad that many a man would die. That many a man, you could see their very inner organs, their kidneys under their very rib cage coming out. You could even see the spine come through the very bone being torn away because there's no flesh left on the back. And the father watched him. And the father looked at every lash. The father heard every crack of the whip. The father knew every grip of every tongue. The father knew every part of the flesh body of Christ. And he knew every drop of blood. Every drop of blood that would flow from Emmanuel's veins. This is my Beloved son, you're whipping. This is my beloved son, you're beating. This is my beloved son, you're reviling, and cursing, and swearing at, demeaning, and belittling. And as he took the cross upon him to walk the Via Dolorosa, the sorrowful way in Jerusalem, falling under the weight with his weakened body, blood streaming from him, crown of thorns upon his brow, 
The blood streaming from his face. He was marred more than any man. His beard pulled out. The father watches him every step of the way. One after the other. Step one. Step two. Step three. He knew every corner. He knew every step. And he's seen every fall under the weight of the cross. This is my beloved son that you're putting under this cross. He's seen the women of Jerusalem weeping. The son says, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves. He saw the pretend tears that men have, that women have, that people have. He sees the insincere heart of the sincere heart. And he's seen his son go all the way to Calvary, to Golgotha's hill. He's seen him struggle to the top. And there he's seen the Romans take the nails and place them in his hands and in his feet. Nailing the square wrought iron nails, not like little nails that you and I would know today. And you're trying to put a picture frame up. No, these nails of many inches, 10 inches, 12 inches long, maybe an inch thick, driving them into the hands, into the rest area of the Son of God. This is my beloved. I'm well pleased in him. This is my son. He heard the hammer hit the nail over and over and over again. Hand number one. They move over hand number two. The sound of it would have rung across the hilltop. He heard it come through his blessed feet. And the father heard the strike of every hammer blow. This is my beloved son. This is the darling of my bosom. This is the one who calls a love out of my heart. And there he hangs between two thieves. And there he hangs between heaven and earth. Jesus said, and I, If I be lifted up from off the earth, I will draw all men, or all types of men, all types of sinful men, women, all types of people unto me. You see, friend, it's here. The Father watches him, and suddenly something happens at Calvary's tree. We're told in our reading in Mark's Gospel, Chapter 15, it says in verse 29, And they that passed by reeled on him, and wagging their heads and saying, Ah, thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself and come down from the cross. This reminds me of the book of Lamentations. Through the spirit of prophecy, there the prophet Jeremiah, Lamentations chapter 1 and verse 12, 
And listen to what he cries over Jerusalem. Here again, overlooking Jerusalem. Listen to what Jeremiah cries. Is it nothing to you? All ye that pass by, behold and see if there be any sorrow like unto my sorrow which is done unto me, wherewith the Lord hath afflicted me in the day of his fierce anger. Wherewith Yahweh, Jehovah God, hath afflicted me, or the Father hath afflicted his Son in the day of his fierce anger. He says, is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by? In the original Hebrew text it goes, is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by? By the way, here at Passover, they're bringing their lambs to be slain. Bringing lambs to slit slit their throat and let their blood pour out and be taken to the temple to appease a God that they think they're appeasing. But here, the Lamb of God is outside the city walls. The Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. They reject Him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, unacquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him, says Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah chapter 53. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. My beloved, there's no other way for you to be saved unless I give my son. Simple as that, friend. There's no way you can be saved from your sin or forgiven from your trespasses. There's no way you can be saved by what you do or what you think you can give. There's no means or method that you can use for your salvation. God gave His only begotten Son. God gave the darling of His bosom. God gave His best when He gave the Lord Jesus Christ. What would you offer? What could you offer? You can offer nothing. The hymn writer said, Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Friend, it's by grace you are saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God and not of works. Lest any of us should boast. Here in Lamentations 1 and 12, is it nothing to you all you pass by or pass by the way? Behold and see, if there be any sorrow like unto my sorrow which is done unto me, wherewith the Lord hath afflicted me in the day of his fierce anger, says the prophet Jeremiah, through the spirit of prophecy. Here he is, Christ. And it says, those that pass by reviled him. Is it nothing to you? You pass by him. They pass by him. They reviled him. They were passing by the way. They were passing by the one who said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. 
That's what Christ said. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And here the people in our reading were passing by reviling him. It says in verse 29, And then they that passed by railed on him and wagged their heads, saying, Ah, thou that buildest the temple, pardon me, destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself and come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking said also among themselves, with the scribes, he saved others himself, he cannot save. Friend, I want to tell you, in Matthew 27, Matthew gives us the account. Do you know what Matthew says? Think not that I could not pray to my Father which is in heaven, he will presently give me 12 legions of angels. He didn't even have to go to the cross. All he had to do was say, Father, Father, I'm not going. Father would have sent 12 legions. We hear the song, the old gospel song, he could have, he could have sent 10,000 angels. Friend, that's not right. It's a nice song, but it's not right. 12 legions of angels is about 72,000 angels to Jerusalem. 72,000 angels. One angel was enough to destroy Sodom and another destroyed Gomorrah. One angel can destroy a city. Here, these mighty angels, 72,000, could have been sent to the city of Jerusalem to save the Son of God from his death. But no, he didn't come as a victim, you see, friend. He came because he was a victor. He didn't take his life from him. He laid his life freely down for us. He came to suffer, to bleed, and to die. Notice if he had have come down from the cross, you and I would not be saved. You see, friend, I agree with the old prophet when he says, salvation is off the Lord. From beginning to ending, everything is off him. And here, if he had have come down from the cross, he would not have been able to save you, nor to save me. So here, salvation is wrought at the cross of Christ. I want to ask you a question. And I've been conscious when I've been talking about him. Because when we talk about him, you know the Spirit of God's near. Because it's the Holy Ghost that speaks of him. It's the Holy Ghost that takes the things of him to show it unto us. And so the Holy Spirit of God is here. And he's here to speak to hearts. And he's here to speak into lives. And he's here to help you this evening. He's here to help the weak Christian. He's here to help those that are dying. He's here to strengthen those that need strengthening. But he's here to convict of sin and of righteousness and of judgment to come. Now notice this. Let Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross. What king gives up in battle rather than stand his ground to die? What true king give up in the battle? This king the king of Israel, 
who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, this king, he led the charge. He took control and he gave up his life. Let the king of Israel descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. Many people say, if I see a sign, if I see a sign, if he comes off the cross, I'll see and I'll believe. Friend, if he hadn't come off the cross, no matter what they saw, no matter how they believed, they would never have been saved and neither would you or I. We can believe in miracles. I believe in them. We can believe in signs and wonders. I believe in them. But that's not what saves us, friend. It's not what saves us is how we perceive with the 2020 vision of man and woman's natural eyes, but rather by the regeneration of the Holy Spirit of God and Him giving us vision and sight to see the Lord Jesus Christ not coming off the cross, but the Lord Jesus Christ giving His life. And the Father watches all the time. This is my beloved Son. Notice what happens. It says in verse 33, when the sixth hour was come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. That's propitiation, friend. What is propitiation? Simply it means there, God's wrath is averted. I want to say it again to you. Propitiation is there. God's wrath is averted. God's wrath that was upon me, and upon you, upon every sinner, and every Christ rejecter, which is all of us, there at the cross, the finished work of Christ, and there by the death and the blood shedding of our Lord Jesus Christ, there Him taking our sin, we find that there at the cross, we find propitiation, the wrath of God that was upon me because I trust only in Him and what He done at the cross. The wrath is averted from me and it's went fully and completely upon the Son of God. Friend, does the wrath of God abide in you still because you're not saved? Would you like the wrath of God to be averted? Then it's at the cross of Calvary where you find the wrath of God is averted. There is our propitiation. John writes, 1 John chapter 2 and 2, he says that Christ is our propitiation for our sins. There he is our mercy seat. There he is the one who averts the wrath of God. And I can tell you, see the man and woman, the man and the woman who are under the blood, the man and the woman who are covered in the blood. The man and woman by faith who are washed in the blood. The man and the woman are trusting fully, wholly, solely, only, completely, and uniquely on the blood of Christ. You'll find when they're under the blood, the wrath of God cannot find you. The wrath of God cannot find you, friend. But if you're not under the blood, 
The wrath of God is on you. Get under the blood tonight. Get under the blood. Trust in the blood. Plead the blood. Call upon the name of the Lord. And thou shalt be saved. Friend, here we find propitiation where God's wrath is averted. Notice what he cries in verse 34. The one who said, the father says, this is my son. This is my beloved son. This is the one who calls the love out of my heart. This is the darling of my bosom. I love him. The father who said it, the father who's watched it, the father who said, this is my agapitus, huias, this one. Here, notice what happens at the cross. In verse 34, listen what happens. Verse 33, this darkness comes over the whole land until the ninth hour. And in verse 34, it says, In the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is being interpreted, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Friend, this is separation. We had salvation, propitiation. Now we have separation. Salvation, propitiation. Now we have separation. Friend, I can tell you tonight, the devil doesn't want you to hear this. Look this way, friends. The devil doesn't want you to hear this. Christ was separated from his Father on the cross. Christ was separated from his Father on the tree that you might not be separated forever, that you might be brought in and reconciled unto him. And the one that said, this is my beloved son, this is the one whom I love. The one who said that, the father, about his son, now forsakes his own son because of our sin. Because of our sin on him. The penalty of our sin was on him. And the father looks at the one growing up as a tender plant, as a root out of a dry ground. And now this is what he says. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You know what the word forsaken means? It's a big word in Catalipo. And this is what it means. To desert to desert, to leave completely, to leave fully, as if to totally leave one abandoned. Why, Father, have you abandoned me in this God-forsaken place? And friend, I'll tell you this in finishing. He did that that you might be brought in. Because if you're still unsaved, you're still in your sin. And if you're still unsaved and in your sin, you're separated from God. And if you die like that, you'll stay separated from God forever. A man thinks he will make his way to God's glory in heaven on his own. Now you realize why we must Trust in the blood, in the grace of God, in the mercy of God, in repentance toward God. 
crying on the name of the Lord Jesus. For there's none other name under heaven whereby men must be saved. May God bless his word to us all this evening. I know the devil hasn't wanted you to hear that tonight. Someone here and the devil didn't want you to hear that tonight. Friend, I want to tell you, if you've heard that tonight, then we'll stand at the end here. And come and see us. Come and speak with me. Make your calling an election, sure. Get saved, for you don't know what a day may bring forth. You don't know what tomorrow brings. May God bless his word to us this evening. May God bless you for your faithfulness to the meetings at the drive-in.